Section 5 of Journal of a Residence on a Georgian Plantation, 1838 to 1839. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. Journal of a Residence on a Georgian Plantation, 1838 to 1839 by francis ann kimball section five dear e we had a species of fish this morning for our breakfast which deserves more glory than i can bestow upon it had i been the ingenious man who wrote a poem upon fish the white mullet of the altamaha should have been at least my heroine's cousin tis the heavenliest creature that goes upon fins I took a long walk this morning to settlement number three, the third village on the island. My way lay along the side of the canal beyond which, and only divided from it by a raised narrow causeway, rolled the brimming river with its girdle of glittering evergreens, while on my other hand a deep trench marked the line of the rice fields. It really seemed as if the increase of merely a shower of rain might join all these waters together and lay the island under its original covering again i visited the people and houses here i found nothing in any respect different from what i have described to you at settlement number one during the course of my walk i startled from its repose in one of the rice fields a huge blue heron you must have seen as i often have these creatures stuffed in museums but tis another matter and far more curious to meet them stalking on their stilts of legs over a rice-field, and then, on your near approach, see them spread their wide heavy wings, and throw themselves upon the air with their long shanks flying after them in a most grotesque and laughable manner. They fly as if they did not know how to do it very well. But standing still, their height between four and five feet, and peculiar color, a dusky grayish-blue, with black about the head, render their appearance very beautiful and striking. In the afternoon I and Jack rowed ourselves over to Darien. It is Saturday, the day of the week on which the slaves from the island are permitted to come over to the town to purchase such things as they may require and can afford, and to dispose to the best advantage of their poultry, moss, and eggs. I met many of them paddling themselves singly in their slight canoes, scooped out of the trunk of a tree, and parties of three and four rowing boats of their own building laden with their purchases, singing, laughing, talking, and apparently enjoying their holiday to the utmost. They all hailed me with shouts of delight as I pulled past them, and many were the injunctions bawled after Jack to mind and take good care of Missus. We returned home through the glory of a sunset, all amber-colored and rosy, and found that one of the slaves, a young lad for whom Mr. Blank has a particular regard, was dangerously ill. Dr. Blank was sent for, and there is every probability that he, Mr. Blank, and Mr. Blank will be up all night with the poor fellow. I shall write more tomorrow. Today being Sunday, dear E, a large boat full of Mr. Blank's people from Hampton came up to go to church at Darien and to pay their respects to their master and see their new missus. The same scene was acted over again that occurred on our first arrival. 
a crowd clustered round the house door to whom i and the babies were produced and with every individual of whom we had to shake hands some half a dozen times they brought us up presents of eggs their only wealth beseeching us to take them and one young lad the son of headman frank had a beautiful pair of chickens which he offered most earnestly to blank we took one of them not to mortify the poor fellow and a green ribbon being tied round its leg it became a sacred fowl little missus's chicken by the by this young man had so light a complexion and such regular straight features that had i seen him anywhere else i should have taken him for a southern european or perhaps in favour of his tatters a gipsy but certainly it never would have occurred to me that he was the son of negro parents i observed this to mr blank who merely replied he is the son of headman frank and his wife betty and they are both black enough as you see the expressions of devotion and delight of these poor people are the most fervent you can imagine one of them speaking to me of mr blank and saying that they had heard that he had not been well added oh we hear so missus and we not know what to do oh missus massa sick all him people broken dr blank came again to-day to see the poor sick boy who was doing much better and bidding fair to recover he entertained me with an account of the darien society its atrocities and democracies its little grandeurs and smaller petitenesses its circles higher and lower its social jealousies fine invisible lines of demarcation imperceptible shades of different respectability and delicate divisions of genteel genteeler genteelist for me added the worthy doctor i cannot well enter into the spirit of these nice distinctions it suits neither my taste nor my interest and my house is perhaps the only one in darien where you would find all these opposite and contending elements combined the doctor is connected with the aristocracy of the place and like a wise man remembers notwithstanding that those who are not are quite as liable to be ill and call in medical assistance as those who are he is a shrewd intelligent man with an excellent knowledge of his profession much kindness of heart and apparent cheerful good temper i have already severely tried the latter by the unequivocal expression of my opinions on the subject of slavery and though i perceived that it required all his self-command to listen with anything like patience to my highly incendiary and inflammatory doctrines he yet did so and though he was i have no doubt perfectly horror-stricken at the discovery lost nothing of his courtesy or good humour by the by i must tell you that at an early period of the conversation upon my saying i put all other considerations out of the question and first proposed to you the injustice of the system alone oh replied my friend the doctor if you put it upon that ground you stump the question at once i have nothing to say to that whatever but and then followed the usual train of pleadings happiness tenderness care indulgence etc 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 all the substitutes that may or may not be put in the place of justice and which these slaveholders attempt to persuade others and perhaps themselves effectually supply its want after church hours the people came back from darien they are only permitted to go to darien to church once a month on the intermediate sundays they assemble in the house of london 
Mr. Blank's head cooper, an excellent and pious man who, heaven alone knows how, has obtained some little knowledge of reading, and who reads prayers and the Bible to his fellow-slaves, and addresses them with extemporaneous exhortations. I have the greatest desire to attend one of these religious meetings, but fear to put the people under any the slightest restraint. However, I shall see, by and by, how they feel about it themselves. You have heard, of course, many and contradictory statements as to the degree of religious instruction afforded to the Negroes of the South and their opportunities of worship, etc. Until the late abolition movement, the spiritual interests of the slaves were about as little regarded as their physical necessities. The outcry which has been raised with threefold force within the last few years against the whole system has induced its upholders and defenders to adopt, as measures of personal extenuation, some appearance of religious instruction, such as it is, and some pretense at physical indulgences, such as they are, bestowed apparently voluntarily upon their dependents. At Darien, a church is appropriated to the especial use of the slaves, who are almost all of them Baptists here and a gentleman officiates in it, of course white, who, I understand, is very zealous in the cause of their spiritual well-being. He, like most southern men, clergy or others, jump the present life in their charities to the slaves, and go on to furnish them with all requisite conveniences for the next. There were a short time ago two free black preachers in this neighborhood, but they have lately been ejected from the place. I could not clearly learn, but one may possibly imagine upon what grounds. I do not think that a residence on a slave plantation is likely to be peculiarly advantageous to a child like my eldest. I was observing her today among her swarthy worshippers, for they follow her as such, and saw with dismay the universal eagerness with which they sprang to obey her little gestures of command. She said something about a swing and in less than five minutes headman frank had erected it for her and a dozen young slaves were ready to swing little missus blank think of learning to rule despotically your fellow creatures before the first lesson of self-government has been well spelt over it makes me tremble but i shall find a remedy or remove myself and the child from this misery and ruin you cannot conceive anything more grotesque than the Sunday trim of the poor people. Their ideality, as Mr. Combe would say, being, I should think, twice as big as any rational bump in their head. Their Sabbath toilet really presents the most ludicrous combination of incongruities that you can conceive. Frills, flounces, ribbons, combs stuck in their woolly heads, as if they held up any portion of the stiff and ungovernable hair filthy finery every color in the rainbow and the deepest possible shades blended in fierce companionship round one dusky visage head handkerchiefs that put one's very eyes out from a mile off chintzes with sprawling patterns that might be seen if the clouds were printed with them beads bugles flaring sashes and above all little fanciful aprons which finish these incongruous toilets with a sort of airy grace which I assure you is perfectly indescribable. One young man, the eldest son and heir of our washerwoman Hannah, came to pay his respects to me in a magnificent black satin waistcoat, 
shirt-gills which absolutely engulfed his black visage, and neither shoes nor stockings on his feet. Among our visitors from St. Simon's today was Hannah's mother. It seems to me that there is not a girl of sixteen on the plantations but has children, nor a woman of thirty but has grandchildren. Old House Molly, as she is called, from the circumstance of her having been one of the slaves employed in domestic offices during Major Blank's residence on the island, is one of the oldest and most respected slaves on the estate, and was introduced to me by Mr. Blank with especial marks of attention and regard. She absolutely embraced him, and seemed unable sufficiently to express her ecstasy at seeing him again. Her dress, like that of her daughter, and all the servants who have at any time been employed about the family, bore witness to a far more improved taste than the half-savage adornment of the other poor blacks, and upon my observing to her how agreeable her neat and cleanly appearance was to me, she replied that her old master, Major Blank, was extremely particular in this respect, and that in his time all the house-servants were obliged to be very nice and careful about their persons. She named to me all her children, an immense tribe, and, by the by, E., it has occurred to me that, whereas the increase of this ill-fated race is frequently adduced as a proof of their good treatment and well-being, it really and truly is no such thing, and springs from quite other causes than the peace and plenty which a rapidly increasing population are supposed to indicate. If you will reflect for a moment upon the overgrown families of the half-starved Irish peasantry and English manufacturers, you will agree with me that these prolific shoots by no means necessarily spring from a rich or healthy soil. Peace and plenty are certainly causes of human increase, and so is recklessness, and this, I take it, is the impulse in the instance of the English manufacturer, the Irish peasant, and the negro slave. Indeed here it is more than recklessness, for there are certain indirect premiums held out to obey the early commandment of replenishing the earth, which do not fail to have their full effect. In the first place, none of the cares, those noble cares, that holy thoughtfulness which lifts the human above the brute parent, are ever incurred here by either father or mother. The relation indeed resembles, as far as circumstances can possibly make it do so, the short-lived connection between the animal and its young. The father, having neither authority, power, responsibility, or charge in his children, is, of course, as among brutes, the least attached to his offspring. The mother, by the natural law which renders the infant dependent on her for its first year's nourishment, is more so. But as neither of them is bound to educate or to support their children, all the unspeakable tenderness and solemnity, all the rational and all the spiritual grace and glory of the connection is lost, and it becomes more breeding, bearing, suckling, and there an end. But it is not only the absence of the conditions which God has affixed to their relation which tends to encourage the reckless increase of the race. They enjoy, by means of numerous children, certain positive advantages. In the first place, Every woman who is pregnant, as soon as she chooses to make the fact known to the overseer, is relieved of a certain portion of her work in the field, which lightening of labor continues, of course, as long as she is so burthened. On the birth of a child certain additions of clothing and an additional weekly ration are bestowed on the family. And these matters, small as they may seem, 
act as powerful inducements to creatures who have none of the restraining influences actuating them which belong to the parental relation among all other people whether civilized or savage moreover they have all of them a most distinct and perfect knowledge of their value to their owners as property and a woman thinks and not much amiss that the more frequently she adds to the number of her master's livestock by bringing new slaves into the world the more claims she will have upon his consideration and good will this was perfectly evident to me from the meritorious air with which the women always made haste to inform me of the number of children they had borne and the frequent occasions on which the older slaves would direct my attention to their children exclaiming look missus little niggers for you and massa plenty little niggers for you and little missus a very agreeable apostrophe to me indeed as you will believe i have let this letter lie for a day or two dear e from press of more immediate avocations i have nothing very particular to add to it on monday evening i rode over to darien with mr to fetch over the doctor who was coming to visit some of our people as i sat waiting in the boat for the return of the gentleman the sun went down or rather seemed to dissolve bodily into the glowing clouds which appeared but a fusion of the great orb of light the stars twinkled out in the rose-coloured sky and the evening air as it fanned the earth to sleep was as soft as a summer's evening breeze in the north a sort of dreamy stillness seemed creeping over the world and into my spirit as the canoe just tilted against the steps that led to the wharf raised by the scarce perceptible heaving of the water a melancholy monotonous boat horn sounded from a distance up the stream and presently floating slowly down with the current huge shapeless black relieved against the sky came one of those rough barges piled with cotton called hereabouts okone boxes the vessel itself is really nothing but a monstrous square box made of rough planks put together in the roughest manner possible to attain the necessary object of keeping the cotton dry upon this great tray are piled the swollen apoplectic-looking cotton bags to the height of ten twelve and fourteen feet this huge water-wagon floats lazily down the river from the upper country to darien they are flat-bottomed and of course draw little water the stream from whence they are named is an up-country river which by its junction with the okmulgi forms the altamaha here at least you perceive the indian names remain and long may they do so for they seem to me to become the very character of the streams and mountains they indicate and are indeed significant to the learned and savage tongues which is more than can be said of such titles as jones's creek onion creek etc these okone boxes are broken up at darien where the cotton is shipped either for the savannah charleston or liverpool markets and the timber of which they are constructed sold we rode the doctor over to see some of his patients on the island and before his departure a most animated discussion took place upon the subject of the president of the united states his talents qualifications opinions above all his views with regard to the slave system mr Blank, who you know is no abolitionist and is a very devoted van buren man maintained with great warmth the president's straightforwardness and his evident and expressed intention of protecting the rights of the south 
the doctor on the other hand quoted a certain speech of the president's upon the question of abolishing slavery in the district of columbia which his fears interpreted into a mere evasion of the matter and an indication that at some future period he mr van buren might take a different view of the subject i confess for my own part that if the doctor quoted the speech right and if the president is not an honest man and if i were a southern slaveholder i should not feel altogether secure of mr van buren's present opinions or future conduct upon this subject these three ifs however are material points of consideration our friend the doctor inclined vehemently to mr clay as one on whom the slaveholders could depend georgia however as a state is perhaps the most democratic in the union though here as well as in other places that you and i know of a certain class calling themselves the first and honestly believing themselves the best set their faces against the modern fashion republicanism professing and i have no doubt with great sincerity that their ideas of democracy are altogether of a different kind i went again to-day to the infirmary and was happy to perceive that there really was an evident desire to conform to my instructions and keep the place in a better condition than formerly among the sick i found a poor woman suffering dreadfully from the earache she had done nothing to alleviate her pain but apply some leaves of what tree or plant i could not ascertain and tie up her head in a variety of dirty cloths till it was as large as her whole body i removed all of these and found one side of her face and neck very much swollen but so begrimed with filth that it was really no very agreeable task to examine it the first process of course was washing which however appeared to her so very unusual an operation that i had to perform it for her myself sweet oil and laudanum and raw cotton being then applied to her ear and neck she professed herself much relieved but i believe in my heart that the warm water sponging had done her more good than anything else i was sorry not to ascertain what leaves she had applied to her ear these simple remedies resorted to by savages and people as ignorant are generally approved by experience and sometimes condescendingly adopted by science i remember once when mr Blank was suffering from a severe attack of inflammatory rheumatism dr Blank desired him to bind round his knee the leaves of the tulip tree poplar i believe you call it saying that he had learnt that remedy from the negroes in virginia and found it a most effectual one my next agreeable office in the infirmary this morning was superintending the washing of two little babies whose mothers were nursing them with quite as much ignorance as zeal having ordered a large tub of water i desired rose to undress the little creatures and give them a warm bath the mothers looked on in unutterable dismay and one of them just as her child was going to be put into the tub threw into it all the clothes she had taken off it as she said to break the unusual shock of the warm water i immediately rescued them not but what they were quite as much in want of washing as the baby but it appeared upon inquiry that the woman had none others to dress the child in when it should have taken its bath they were immediately wrung and hung by the fire to dry and the poor little patients having undergone this novel operation were taken out and given to their mothers anything however much more helpless and inefficient than these poor ignorant creatures you cannot conceive 
they actually seemed incapable of drying or dressing their own babies and i had to finish their toilet myself as it is only a very few years since the most absurd and disgusting customs have become exploded among ourselves you will not of course wonder that these poor people pin up the lower part of their infants bodies legs and all in red flannel as soon as they are born and keep them in the self-same envelope till it literally falls off in the next room i found a woman lying on the floor in a fit of epilepsy barking most violently she seemed to excite no particular attention or compassion the women said she was subject to these fits and took little or no notice of her as she lay barking like some enraged animal on the ground again i stood in profound ignorance sickening with the sight of suffering which i knew not how to alleviate and which seemed to excite no commiseration merely from the sad fact of its frequent occurrence returning to the house i passed up the street it was between eleven o'clock and noon and the people were taking their first meal in the day by the by e how do you think berkshire county farmers would relish laboring hard all day upon two meals of indian corn or hominy such is the regulation on this plantation however and i beg you to bear in mind that the negroes on mr blank's estate are generally considered well off they go to the fields at daybreak carrying with them their allowance of food for the day which towards noon and not till then they eat cooking it over a fire which they kindle as best they can where they are working their second meal in the day is at night after their labor is over having worked at the very least six hours without intermission of rest or refreshment since their noonday meal properly so called for tis meal and nothing else those that i passed to-day sitting on their doorsteps or on the ground round them eating were the people employed at the mill and threshing floor as these are near to the settlement they had time to get their food from the cook-shop chairs tables plates knives forks they had none they sat as i before said on the earth or doorsteps and ate either out of their little cedar tubs or an iron pot some few with broken iron spoons more with pieces of wood and all the children with their fingers a more complete sample of savage feeding i never beheld at one of the doors i saw three young girls standing who might be between sixteen and seventeen years old they had evidently done eatings and were rudely playing and romping with each other laughing and shouting like wild things i went into the house and such another spectacle of filthy disorder i never beheld i then addressed the girls most solemnly showing them that they were wasting in idle riot the time in which they might be rendering their abode decent and told them that it was a shame for any woman to live in so dirty a place and so beastly a condition they said they had seen buckry white women's houses just as dirty and they could not be expected to be cleaner than white women i then told them that the only difference between themselves and buckry women was that the latter was generally better informed and for that reason alone it was more disgraceful to them to be disorderly and dirty they seemed to listen to me attentively and one of them exclaimed with great satisfaction that they saw i made no difference between them and white girls and that they never had been so treated before 
I do not know anything which strikes me as a more melancholy illustration of the degradation of these people than the animal nature of their recreations in their short seasons of respite from labor. You see them, boys and girls, from the youngest age to seventeen and eighteen, rolling, tumbling, kicking, and wallowing in the dust, regardless alike of decency and incapable of any more rational amusement, or lolling with half-closed eyes, like so many cats and dogs against a wall or upon a bank in the sun, dozing away their short leisure hour, until called to resume their labors in the field or the mill. After this description of the meals of our laborers, you will perhaps be curious to know how it fares with our house-servants in this respect. Precisely in the same manner, as far as regards allowance, with the exception of what is left from our table, but, if possible, with even less comfort, in one respect, inasmuch as no time whatever is set apart for their meals, which they snatch at any hour, and in any way that they can, generally, however, standing or squatting on their hams round the kitchen fire. They have no sleeping-rooms in the house, but when their work is over, retire, like the rest, to their hovels, the discomfort of which has to them all the addition of comparison with our mode of living. Now, in all establishments whatever, of course some disparity exists between the comforts of the drawing-room and best bedrooms, and the servants' hall and attics, but here it is no longer a matter of degree. The young woman who performs the office of lady's maid and the lads who wait upon us at table have neither table to feed at nor chair to sit down upon themselves. The boys sleep at night on the hearth by the kitchen fire, and the women upon a rough board bedstead strewed with a little tree-moss. All this shows how very torpid the sense of justice is apt to lie in the breasts of those who have it not awakened by the peremptory demands of others. End of section 5. Recording by James K. White. Chula Vista.